This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Improv. Improv. I walk. I read the newspaper. I have a wood stove. It all fits together nicely. I decided some years ago that I needed regular exercise, so I started walking. I walk my dog Quark in the dark morning woods. I walk with my wife Mara and daughter Alex on the sunny afternoon trails. I walk between meetings all over Whitehorse during the workday, and sometimes even walk downtown from Porter Creek. I set a goal of 11 kilometers per day. That's 4,000 kilometers per year, or around the world in 10 years. I keep track on a spreadsheet. But this is only possible because I build walking into my daily activities. I catch up on the national and world news online every morning. But the local news is best gleaned from the local newspapers. The Yukon News is published twice a week. Therefore, I worked a round-trip walk to the Super A grocery into my daily walking routine every Wednesday and Friday to pick up the paper. These incidental newspaper expeditions make up about 10% of my total walking distance. The Walnut Crescent Bed and Breakfast is heated by a wood stove that burns about five cords of wood a year. That means lighting the stove once or twice a day depending on the temperature. All that stove lighting requires a lot of newspaper. Just by chance, the Yukon News fetched twice a week with 400 kilometers of walking and saved up in a plastic tub over a whole year is exactly the right amount of paper required to light off five cords of wood during the cooler months. So it was not unusual on a late spring Wednesday afternoon for me to be walking up the short rise from the little bridge over Porter Creek into the parking lot of the Super A on my way to pick up a newspaper. What was unusual was the large white pickup truck that squealed into the parking lot, triggering a shower of winter gravel. If I hadn't stopped short, the truck would have run me down. I glanced at the driver as the truck spun past me, but we didn't make eye contact. The driver didn't even see me because he was talking on his cell phone. Truck curved left and parked crooked. The driver hopped out and headed into the store, his phone still firmly clamped to his face as he walked. I followed behind him. I was unhappy and somewhat annoyed with the situation. The driver could have run me down without even noticing. Despite all the public education and hefty fines, the guy was driving distracted. As I followed the driver into the store and overheard what he was saying, I became more and more annoyed. It wasn't as if this was a father soothing a crying child who had called him just as he was driving in. Not even a medical doctor coaching some young couple through an unexpected home birth with complications. Or a premier shuffling his cabinet. Yeah, just at the super I am. Going in to get some chips. Uh, what do you think? Barbecue or salt and vinegar? Barbe- barbecue, okay. Yeah, we had salt and vinegar last time. Uh, don't let the beer get cold. Is the score still tied? Yeah, I'll be right over as soon as I get the chips. Uh, oh, oh, but wait, is the game on HD? I'm not coming over. It's not on HD. You're sure it's HD? Well, okay. As he finished the call and stuffed his phone into his pocket, I snapped. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was the sheer banality of the whole conversation for which he had almost killed me. Or more likely... It was because I had just walked past the guild where I had taken the improv course last year. Yes, that was probably it. I went into instant improv mode. 
So, I said in a conversational tone as I walked casually up to the man, you probably wouldn't have hit both those kids, even if the girl with the bike hadn't been so quick. But boy, did you ever make them scramble. The man looked at me with a blank expression, and his mouth hung open. What kids? he asked. Well, the kids out in the parking lot, the ones you almost hit coming in. The girl pushing the bike, and the boy. There were no kids in the parking lot, he said. I didn't see any kids. Oh, there are kids there all right, I said, warming up. But yeah, I can understand you didn't see them. You're busy on your phone. Now, there were no kids, but, but even if there were, what business is it of yours? Well, I said, if you would hit the girl on the bicycle, I was right there, and I suppose they'd call me as a witness at the trial. And that wouldn't be a lot of fun, and it would suck up a lot of my time. So, yeah, I guess it is kind of my business. Well, oh, you're an asshole, said the man, and he gave me a shove. I didn't take the bait. I just shrugged and said, well, whatever. I turned my back to him and headed towards the newspaper rack near the front window. Two minutes later, as I stood in line at the cash, the man appeared out of one of the center grocery aisles and pushed my shoulder. There were no kids there. There were no kids there at all. The parking lot was empty, he said. I shrugged. Okay, if there were kids, what were they wearing? Uh, the girl with the bike, I have no idea what she was wearing under her high-vis gear, I said. But the boy, well, yeah, he might have been easy to miss. But I'm sure that would have all come out in the trial. The man gave me a third shove and said, Did I tell you you're an asshole? I frowned and then replied, Yes, I believe you did mention that. Then I turned and headed out of the store without a backward glance. I went home, read the news, put the paper in the plastic tub in preparation for colder weather, and added four kilometers to my walking distance spreadsheet for the day. The next morning, the assistant deputy minister, two of the directors, and some of the project managers gathered in the boardroom. A company from Vancouver had just set up a branch office in Whitehorse, and they wanted to make sure we knew their company's capabilities, uh, just in case some invitational procurement opportunity in their field came up. The president had flown up to Whitehorse just for the occasion and presented his new branch manager, who was a local Yukoner. The president was a distinguished older gentleman wearing a necktie, which made him the odd one out. The new branch manager, Bob, was not wearing a necktie, but he was the cell phone and pickup truck man from the parking lot the previous evening. Bob blanched when he saw me. He tried to avoid me, but wasn't really successful in a small boardroom where the first order of business was the making of introductions and the shaking of hands. It's a real pleasure to meet you, I said to Bob loudly, shaking his hand a bit too vigorously and a bit too long. Bob said nothing as he squirmed. How was the game last night? I asked more quietly. Bob looked like he was going to cry. The company president was a confident speaker who gave an excellent company overview off the top of his head. He then turned the floor over to Bob, who would be our man on the ground, who would work closely with us and be attentive to our every need. I grinned at Bob during the last attentive part, but he looked away and caught his foot on the chair as he got up to speak. Bob started in on his presentation. He was not a confident speaker. The president frowned. Bob used notes, but stumbled nervously over some of the words. The president crossed his arms. Bob skipped a page in his notes and had to go back. Well, the Yukon government staff started looking at each other nervously. Bob made a sexist joke, and when he paused for laughter, he received an indignant gasp from one of the female project managers and dead silence from everyone else. 
Finally, just when I thought that things couldn't be worse, Bob's phone rang. He pulled it out and desperately started poking at it to silence the ringing. He was not immediately successful. The phone rang for at least 10 seconds. Finally, the ringing stopped, but Bob must have hit the speakerphone control because a woman's tinny voice said, Bob? Bob? Bob brought his phone up to his ear. Look, I can't talk right now in a, me in a meeting. Yeah, yeah, downtown. With Yukon government people. Yes, 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 I'll pick some up. Yes, barbecue, not salt and vinegar. Yes, yeah, later. And then, mercifully, he managed to find the hang-up button. Unfortunately, at the same time, he glanced at me, and I involuntarily winked. Bob lost control of his sheaf of notes, and some of them drifted under the boardroom table. He dived under the table to retrieve them, and bumped his head coming up. At that point, the president called it quits. Well, you get the idea, he said hurriedly, and got up to leave. And you know what we can do, and we can do it well. Now, if you need anything, give me a call. G give me a call. But he and Bob couldn't escape without more shaking of hands. As I shook Bob's hand, I spoke to him quietly so no one else could hear. What I really wanted to say was, Did I tell you you're an asshole? Instead, I said sincerely, Good luck. I hope things turn out okay. It's funny how things fit together. We did end up hiring that company a few months later. But by that time, Bob was gone, and their man on the ground turned out to be a well-spoken, alert woman who didn't make sexist jokes. The small contract went very well. And I needed five cords of wood for the winter, so naturally I walked to the Super A to get the newspaper and looked in the classified ads for a woodman. As he was backing up, the woodman managed to hit the fence that separated my driveway from my neighbor's. It was because he was talking on his phone. And the woodman's name was Bob. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.